All right, good morning. And uh, as has already been alluded to, uh, our topic tonight, or tonight, this morning is going to be on discipleship. And uh, just a few thoughts. Uh, some of this is probably going to be kind of basic, but I think it's always good for us to look at these and look at these things and really kind of think about our own lives, whether we're acting like a true disciple of Christ. And beginning in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, here's a couple of verses that probably all of us are know. And here, uh, Jesus is saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's usually called the Great Commission. And this is Jesus' command to the disciples, and, and I believe to us as well, to go and evangelize to across the world. And we see what he says, to make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, thinking about those few uh, passages, we usually talk about that verse in the context of evangelism, that we need to go and we need to go and evangelize these people. And usually, uh, a lot of times when, we, when we're talking about somebody, at least in this area, that it's not about, you usually, it just seems like at least when I talk about these things, most of the time you're not talking to people that are atheists. You're talking usually to people that are probably in some type of denomination, and you're usually talking about the necessity of baptism. And we definitely need to be talking about those things. You'd be talking about the necessity of baptism or the necessity of repentance or maybe the necessity of membership in the church. And those are all things that we need to talk about. But a lot of times we can miss out on the need for one to become a disciple when we're talking about those things, especially when we're talking about people that uh, talking to people that aren't Christians, that we can become so caught up in talking about those things that, yes, they need to realize the truth of those things, but we may neglect the need for them to also to become a disciple. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that later, what it means to be a disciple. And, in Acts chapter 19, y'all don't have to turn there, but there's an interesting story there in which you had Paul comes upon these, they're called believers. Well, he, he, Paul says that they believe, and they're called disciples. And yet we see that they only know John's baptism. They don't know the baptism of Christ. And it strikes me as interesting because Paul says that they, they're believers, they believe, but they did not know the full story. They did not know that there was this baptism, or even of the whole, even uh, this Holy Spirit uh, that that Paul talks about. I want to make that clear, and that we see that, and that being baptized does not mean that one is a disciple. Being, you know, we can we can be dunked in water, and we we and we're not necessarily a disciple. I know of people, specific people, that they were baptized to make people happy. You know, they may have been baptized to make their spouse happy or or their uh, boyfriend or girlfriend happy or whatever. But they didn't really do it for the right reason. They may have they may have said that they were going to be baptized for the remission of sins. But even that being the case, 
their heart wasn't right because they were doing it to, to try to appease somebody. And they really were not focused on becoming a disciple. So I want to make that clear that if one is baptized, it does not mean that one is a disciple. Those, th- those two things don't always equate. Now, what is a disciple? And so the, our English word for the disciple is actually derived from a Latin word meaning pupil or learner. Y'all, can y'all see that over there on that side? Maybe. <laughs> okay. So it's, the, the word disciple is derived from a Latin word meaning pupil or learner. So kind of makes sense that this is going to be like somebody that's, uh, that's sitting in a classroom learning certain, certain things. The Greek word, the Greek, Greek equivalent to disciple I found this to be interesting. It's commonly used to designate a philosopher's understudy. And so during that time period, you think about the Greeks, you think about the Greek philosophers, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, that these people that were studying underneath these individuals were commonly denoted as being uh, one of those methodes or whatever it may be, the Greek equivalent to a disciple. And the root word of that is math and Y'all know what math is, or more specifically mathematics. But the root word math means thought accompanied by endeavor. So you think about math. A lot of times when I'm doing a lot of doing math, there's a lot of thought, but there's maybe not be a lot of endeavor behind it because I don't know what I'm doing. But we see here that the word math here is your thought accompanied by endeavor. So you're thinking about it, but you're also acting upon it as well. So when you think about this philosophers understudy that there's probably a lot of teaching going on, a lot of studying going on, but they're also applying what they have learned as well. And this disciple or this methodes, he's said to learn by inquiry and observation. So think about a disciple in terms of disciple of Christ. You're learning by inquiry and observation. So you're Looking at Jesus' example, you're looking at those Christians in the, in, the New Te- in the New Testament, their example as well. You're observing those things. You're observing what they're doing by reading those words. And also you're learning by inquiry. So you're, you're thinking about these things, thinking critically about it. You're asking questions. And so you're looking at the word. You're examining those things. You're seeing what's, what's being done. And you're looking at all those things in order to become that, that disciple. And, of course, when we think about these disciples, they're always particularly concerned about doing their craft well, whether that's being a philosopher or whether that's being a blacksmith, a baker, whatever it may be. You're particularly concerned about doing that craft well, and they spend hours, days, and years perfecting their craft. And so a lot of time involved... This isn't a, it doesn't seem like this is a 40-hour week, five-day work week, any of that. They're spending long periods of time of making sure that whatever they're doing, they're doing those things right. Now, probably can kind of, uh, this probably makes sense from, from our couple, past couple of si- slides, but when I was looking at it, this idea of a disciple, especially in, in, in the Greek culture, is that this disciple was similar to, to an apprentice, normally to what we would call an apprentice. And of course, y'all probably, I'm assuming y'all, all of y'all probably know what an apprentice is, but it's somebody that's basically, he's, say for example, if it was a blacksmith, a blacksmith would take this younger person by his, by his side and they would be there uh, intimately involved in that process of learning 
what it takes to be a blacksmith or what it takes to be a baker or a uh, basket weaver or whatever it may be. And I believe it was either, either Plato or Aristotle. I can't remember what what he has what uh, who it was, but he has to say this about Greek apprentices. They were well now worn out beneath a load of study before his apprentice hand can turn out work a worth sufficient merely to support him. So think about that when, when we think about discipleship. That just for them to even become worthy of making decent work, that they were worn out beneath a load of study. So again, spending a long amount of time studying, a, a tremendous amount of effort being used just so they can they can they can do this work well that they can perfect that work i find that interesting uh with this quote that we see and it came from it came from some uh book i can't remember what the name is but it was either plato or aristotle made this quote they were subject to harsh discipline so if they messed up they very well could be beat because of this that they were that they, they were they, they were very severely disciplined if they did not perform uh, adequately, and also think about all this when it comes to our relationship with God, and when we think about God's discipline or God's chastisement f- towards us, and the reasons for that discipline. So these apprentices were subject to harsh discipline. Uh, many fathers trained their sons in their craft as, as well obviously. So they were spending a lot of time with their sons to perfect, you know, to perfect their skill and whatever their craft may be. And also some instructors were given a fee uh, for their teaching as well. I find all this to be interesting. When we, t- when we think about discipleship, I can think about kind of some parallels between us and our relationship with God and our, 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 our being disciples of Jesus. Of course, we are talked about subject to harsh discipline, Fathers training their sons in their in their crafts. God, you know, with His Word, Jesus and His Word training us to be more like them. And then uh, this idea of some instructors giving a fee uh, for their teaching. That you think about the honor and the glory. That you know, regardless of what we are doing, all honor, all glory uh, goes to God. So I have this picture here, and this is kind of. Uh, this is a picture of a blacksmith and his apprentice. And this apprentice here is maybe kind of hard to see, but he's holding this punch. And, it, and he's using this punch to kind of punch a hole in some piece of metal. And we see the blacksmith here with his sledgehammer. And the apprentice there is he's holding that there for the blacksmith. And I find this picture to be interesting because we, when we look at this, we see that the blacksmith needs the apprentice there to hold that punch there so that he can have this product, this tool, completed. So he's needed. Now we could say, well, no, he's not. Well, if the apprentice leaves, he could probably go find him another apprentice, but somebody has to be there to hold that punch. Now, and this blacksmith, he's the one that's doing the hitting. He's the one that's making the final product. And so... When the product or the tool is done, think about who is the one that's receiving the honor of of completing this product. When that when that tool say he's he's making some hammer or whatever, and he goes to sell that hammer, who has made that hammer? 
Well, it's the blacksmith that has done that hammer, that has, that has made that hammer. So he takes the full credit for making this hammer. But notice, again, that this apprentice is also involved with that, that, that even though the blacksmith uh, takes full credit for making this tool, we do know that the apprentice is there involved with that. And, of course, he's learning about what the correct way is to make this tool while he is there. I make this point because when we think about our discipleship is we're we're trying to be just like God. We're trying to be just like Jesus. And we're right there. God wants God God needs us to be involved. He he's not going to go out unlike some other some people believe he's not going to go out and just directly intervene and and save people directly in some supernatural way. We're involved in that process. And so we have to be there involved with that but we also have to recognize that who we are what spot do we play in that we're his disciple but ultimately we can't do anything without him we can't do anything without what ultimately without what he has done for us so i wanted to bring that out and, and think about that when we're thinking about our discipleship and how we're involved in in this in this scheme and our relationship towards him in in this now moving along we look at we can look in the scriptures and we can see uh, different disciples they're not just a disciple in in the bible is not just a disciple of christ in mark chapter 2 and verse 18 we see that there are disciples of john and the pharisees and uh you think about you know, you think about what were the disciples of John were doing. They were probably just close with him, just like the disciples of Jesus, like we talked about earlier. They were very close with him. Think about the disciples of Pharisees, of the Pharisees as well. I kind of think about, I think, kind of think about Paul probably, would, or at Saul probably would have fit, uh, uh, fit the description of a disciple of the Pharisees. And, uh, you know, we see here the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. And we see that situation in Mark chapter 2 and verse 18. In John chapter 9 and verse 28 says, Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Of course, this is the Jews disputing with Jesus. And he says, We are the Moses' disciples. So we are, we are following, or they were claiming that they were closely following his law, imitating the things that, he want, that, that Moses has laid out for them to do. Of course, we see that that's actually not the case. But we can kind of pick up that there are different disciples, and when we think about these different disciples, we can kind of understand what uh, they would have, what, what they would have been doing. The believers are spoken of as disciples, so believers of Christ. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 10 says that there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in the vision Ananias, and he says, Here I am, Lord. So a disciple here, obviously a believer. Of course, this was in the process of, of Paul being converted. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26 as well, that we see the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So there, they were, and what's interesting here is that they were being called disciples or known as disciples before they became, uh, before they were being called Christians. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, 
the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So again, a disciple named Timothy. We think about who Timothy was and what Timothy was about and how Paul described Timothy, that he was he was committed, he was devoted, and he was busy about uh, the Lord's work. And so this is, again, a disciple named Timothy. And then in Acts chapter 21, there were some disciples from Caesarea, went with us, brought with them a certain Manasin of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. So again, these two instances of these disciples, and these were all believers. Interesting to note, though, and I've already kind of alluded to this, is that the believers here, or these Christians, that they are described, they are described as disciples much more than they are Christians. You do a word search for disciples, and even in, in even in the Gospels, Jesus' followers, just like we read earlier, that they were called disciples, and these Christians were called disciples much more than they were just called than they were much more than they were just called Christians. And so, not saying that we ought to start calling everybody disciples, but note that that. This is who they were. This is what they were known as. And when a person or an unbeliever looks at me, who do who do they who do they think that I am? Do they think that I'm you know that I'm not really a Christian, or do they see me as if they would really equate me with a disciple of Christ? That I am so involved in studying His Word and being committed to Him that I can truly be called and a disciple, just like these individuals individuals here were. What does a disciple look like? We've talked about it a lot, but we're going to look at some a few verses at how what Jesus says his disciples ought to look like. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus says that a disciple is going to continue, he's going to abide in his word. It says that Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So here it's not just enough to just simply believe or just acknowledge that he exists and acknowledge who he is. You have to abide in his word. That means knowing it. That means following it as well. And without that, you're really not his, his disciple. Kind of going back to what we talked about in Acts chapter 19, that, that, uh, that if you're just if if you're not truly committed and if you if you just do certain things but you're not abiding in his word none of that really makes any difference at that point uh, you're not his disciple if you don't continue in his word in Luke chapter 14 verse 26 Jesus says that for you to be a disciple you have to lo- love Jesus more than family he says if anyone comes to me and does not hate his brother and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes in his own life also he cannot be my disciple Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So again, if you if you're more concerned about your family, or just well again, just like what we read earlier today, if you're more concerned about uh, even if it even if it means uh, that you have to perhaps uh, uh, you know give up some family relationships or maybe not take care of a certain family members uh, as you might would have. It, if it meant serving God, that you have to be, that this has to be uh, your priority, that you have to love him more than your own family. And if you don't bear your cross, if you don't, if you're not willing to endure those hardships, you cannot be uh, his disciple. Kind of moving along with what we've just talked about, that if that 
that one for one to be his disciple, he has to forsake all that he has. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So are you willing up, willing to give up uh, your job, willing to give up your money, willing to give up uh, trucks, cars, houses, land, whatever it might be? Are you willing to give up all those things so that you can be his disciple? And uh, a lot of people won't. And so uh, you're thinking about what these disciples were in earlier cultures, you know, how focused, singularly focused they were on studying and perfecting their craft. That any didn't, didn't seem like anything else was really that big of a concern for them other than, you know, that craft or that or that topic that they were studying. That they were completely focused on those things and we have to be focused as well. We have to abide in Jesus and bear fruit. John 15 and verse 7 says, If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you uh, desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Talked not that long ago about this idea of uh, bearing fruit and what that means. And again, it's this idea of abiding in Him, His words abiding in, in, uh, His words abiding in us, and also that we bear much of fruit, course that ties in with this abiding in him and his words abiding in us and when we bear much that we will bear much fruit so you will be my disciples this is what his disciples look like so you're abiding in his word uh, you're following his word you're forsaking all that you have and you're bearing fruit as well so you're busy so thinking about that i believe it was that second slide that we looked at this idea of the root word of math being thought accompanied by endeavor so you're following those things, you're believing those things, you're understanding those things, and then you're you're endeavoring, you're you're being busy, you're 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 being uh, you're being active, and uh, and so we can see how all this kind of ties together. So you're bearing much fruit, so that, that you can be his uh, disciple. We love one another. John chapter thirteen and verse thirty-five says, "By this all will know that you are my disciples." If you have love uh, for one another. So again, part of that process of being his disciples. So, of course, we think about our love as far as uh, being benevolent towards one another. You think about even when it comes to maybe exhorting or rebuking some other uh, person as well. That this is all part of that love that we have for our brethren. And also... Uh, we imitate Jesus, and I think that pretty much sums it up. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 40, it says, The disciple is not above his teacher, uh, but everyone who is perfectly trained uh, will be like his teacher. And so you start out as disciple, and I, I think we can understand that we won't ever get to this point where we're exactly like Jesus. But what he's saying is that when you're his disciple, you're going to be continually growing. You're going to be coming more and more like him as time goes on. That you're a disciple and you get to this point where you're perfectly trained uh, to be like your teacher. And so that's the end goal is that as we becoming his, as when we become his disciple, it's not just we get baptized and we just put on the cruise control and we just coast throughout life. That there is a lifetime of learning and growing uh, that goes on uh, with that. 
So that's another thing that we ought to think about. Think about that blacksmith or the, the apprentice of that blacksmith. His end goal is so that he can be become a blacksmith as well. And so I think about that as far as our uh, discipleship of Jesus, that we're trying and striving to be uh, just like him. And so that was... Uh, that was kind of a short lesson. I think we could probably go on in a variety of different ways in that, but I wanted to be kind of basic. And when we look at our discipleship or being a disciple, what does that mean to us? It's not just synonymous with just obeying the steps of salvation. That's not just that's just not it. We need to do that, but there's more to it than that. They're not they're not one and the same. And so if there's anyone here who certainly wants to be a disciple, uh, we certainly offer that invitation. And if you are a Christian and you're not acting like a disciple ought to, we certainly uh, offer this invitation as well to help you in any way that we can to discuss those things. If uh, if you need the prayers of the saints or you need to confess anything, please come now as, as we stand and as we sing. Will you come?